Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. I know it's been a little while since I posted anything, but I, uh, me and my family have been sick with COVID, and it has not been fun. Luckily, we had some pretty mild cases, but today is kind of the first day that I really had semi of a voice to be able to record anything. It's been a long week, for sure. Um, I had an episode that I was all ready to record when my symptoms hit, so I'm just going to jump right back into everything. So, last week, I was talking with a very good friend of mine, and somehow the topic had come up about what I thought would happen if I actually addressed my traffickers to their face and told them, you know, basically the things that they did to me and how it affected me and, you know, if I thought that that would bring closure or, you know, what exactly that would do. And I know I've talked about before when my aunt had come out in about 2005 and she got a restraining order and I was summoned to my father's house and forced to listen to every allegation that she made. And they were some pretty gruesome details. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table and just you know, saying, I don't want to hear this because, I mean, who wants to hear anything like that? So I thought about it a lot, you know, if I had actually the chance or whatever to sit down and tell them, you know, this is what you did and face them. And I I did that when I got my restraining orders to a certain extent, but When you file for one, you know, you try to keep to the details that matter to, you know, basically explain why you're in fear for your life if any contact continues. So I didn't get to say everything, but of course, the things that I did say, they denied and had every excuse that they could come up with. So kind of reflecting on that, I don't think that I would get closure. I mean, maybe I would feel better, but, you know, I think they would enjoy it, to be honest. I think it would satisfy their sick, demented pleasure in some way, hearing details or you know, I don't even know exactly how to say it, but it's strange to think that, but I really do believe that it's true. I think if I finally sat down across the table from them and just said everything, then they would be excited about it. They would be, I hate to say it turned on, you know, in some sort of way, they would get pleasure. And that's just how they are, how they've always been. 
And I mean, my father used to get this smile on his face when he would inflict pain on anybody, not just me. And I don't remember what the fight was about, but it was pretty close to when I was leaving. And I just, I just snapped. I was so pissed off that I just started screaming. And eventually I just threw my phone at the floor and I think it bounced off the floor and hit the couch or something. I don't even know. But it was just like, he had that smile and this laugh. And I just, I can't even describe the laugh. But it was just like, he enjoyed seeing me as angry as I was. Like, he had been pushing buttons for so long that to see me finally lose my shit was pleasurable in a way to him. And it was like, they like to inflict pain. But it's not just that. It's like he forced me to watch some of the blackmail videos and things like that. And it's like not only did he like inflicting pain, but he liked to know that we knew or I knew or whoever that he enjoyed inflicting that pain on us. And he also liked it to, you know, just to see how we would react to it. Like if we were squirmish or, you know, whatever. But that day at the house when I threw my phone, like it was starting to be like my breaking point where I was like, you know, I kind of got to get out of here. This is a very toxic situation. So, you know, it was hard to kind of go back there and think about that question about, you know, what it would be like to actually say to their faces, hey, you did this. And honestly, if it was in a courtroom setting, I would be fine. And I think that would be the only way to kind of get closure. But other than that, I don't think I would gain anything from it because he would enjoy it too much. And I'm sure she would enjoy it just as much. So to answer anyone's question, if anyone ever had thought about it, because I did get asked it a lot on my TikTok videos, like, have I ever confronted them? And the answer is not really. And I don't think I'm ever going to. Because the whole point of doing that would be for my benefit, for some sort of closure or anything like that. And I'm just not going to get that. I don't know if getting a certain level of closure is ever in the cards for me. I mean, I definitely feel like I have a bit of it, you know, telling my story especially publicly and, you know, just not staying silent is a huge part of getting closure. When I gave the speech at the end of year event in 2019, I felt like it wasn't just a chapter of my life that I closed. It was like a whole book. 
And I started anew on that night. I mean, that was my closure. And I can remember leading up to the event, I was asked first for um, a journalism student at the local university here. And I guess they had a bunch of them sitting down with some survivors and they would, you know, tell their story. And then the journalists would uh, put it into their own words and some did poems, some did stories. And I I was going to do it, but I said to my advocate, I'm like, you know, I feel like this is something I need to do. It has to be my words. It's the first time I'm ever sharing anything. And then it was going to be, I was going to write it, but somebody else was going to recite it instead. But the more I thought about it, it was like, I knew it needed to be me. And I sat down with the director of the organization and he was reluctant. Um, He always says to me, you know, they don't want to give the impression that they're exploiting the exploited just for money, which I totally understand because it's happened to me a lot. So it took some convincing, but I finally said to him, you know, I need to do this for me because I've stayed silent for so long and it's going to be the first time my story is told And I want to be the one to do it. I don't want it to come from somebody else's words. I don't want it to come from somebody else's mouth. I want to do it myself. So that's kind of what led to it. And eventually I was given permission. And man, I was so nervous. And um, I had my advocate by my side. And I had... uh, the director on the other side because it was on the third floor of a football stadium in like one of those like uh, private boxes or something I don't know they do events there too so I'm terrified of heights and I got up and I explained to everyone, you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm scared of heights. So I'm just going to stare at this paper as I read it. And I had said that, you know, it was one of the most terrifying things that I've ever done. And my husband afterwards was like, (laughs) you said that it was the most terrifying thing you've ever done in your life. And then go on to talk about being sex trafficked as if that wasn't terrifying. But... It was, it was nerve wracking, but I'm happy I did it because it just opened up so much inside of me and it showed me that I had strength that I totally forgot was there. And I remembered how when I was doing support groups, they would it would say a lot of things and there was so many different quotes and, you know, I've talked about some of them, you know, if you are playing catch and you don't throw the ball back, what happens? Game over. Um, but one of the things that they said is, you know, a lot of people think it takes a lot of strength to leave 
but it also takes a lot of strength to stay and to live through it and survive every single day not knowing if there's an end to it all. And throughout my life, I thought there was going to be. And I think it was just a part of me deep down inside that, you know, I didn't really listen to a lot, but I like to think that I always thought that I would eventually escape everything. And going to the support groups helped so much. And it sucks because I used to be really close with the women that I met there. There was uh, four of us and we were there every single week. And... I don't even talk to them anymore. I don't even think that I have told them I was trafficked because, I mean, I haven't talked to them in that long. They were like family. And there was one woman, and she was like the mom of the group. But she uh, she had a little bit of control issues, which is common. It wasn't in a toxic, unhealthy way, just a way that wasn't for me and then we had the crazy aunt you know the fun aunt that you go to and um she was obsessed with shoes and it was also cool that she worked at a place that sold shoes so I always had shoes I love shoes and then there was me and this other girl and we were the same age so we were just like you know the crazy teenagers even though we weren't teenagers but um, her abuser was getting out of prison and I offered to take her to coffee the night before so that way, you know, she wasn't sitting there staring at the wall, you know, getting all anxious and everything. And that's kind of like how our whole friendship started was that day at IHOP drinking some coffee. But... After I left, I think that they had this idea of how I was going to act. Because again, I mean, I thought it was just domestic violence, but the way that my parents came after me after the escape, I don't think anybody could have predicted. And I obviously didn't handle it well since I ended up in the hospital. But... um you know, we eventually just grew apart. And it was, it wasn't that long ago, maybe two years-ish, maybe longer, I don't know. But, you know, I did a blog like a while back, and I mentioned this in the interview I did with my best friends, and I said, you know, they take it, they say it takes a village to raise a baby, and I say it takes a village to save a survivor, a lot of bad things happened in the first few months after I had left. I didn't really know where to turn. I didn't know who to talk to. I, I didn't think anyone would understand. And, I mean, I changed my number. I changed my name. I did, you know, the restraining orders and everything I could, but I never actually felt safe again. And I can't even remember a time when I actually did feel safe. I don't know if I'm ever going to feel safe. 
but it doesn't make me weak. It I th- I think it makes me stronger because I keep on going. When survivors share their stories, it does put our lives in danger. Um, I don't think people fully understand that. And there's, you know, like I've talked about and I talked about with my friend Jill that's a survivor as well. Like there's sock puppet accounts and troll accounts and fake accounts that come after me on social media, get my videos taken down, and um, they try to get my Twitter taken down. I mean, it's to the point I have no followers on Twitter, but this specific account keeps on getting access to my tweets. How? Your guess is as good as mine because I have them blocked, they have me blocked, my account's private, and I have no followers, so don't know how they find it, but I, you know, I don't care about Twitter, so I don't really pay too much attention to it. But, um, I was looking through my cloud and looking at some of my old TikTok accounts and I kind of miss them a little bit. I don't miss the drama. I don't miss the inappropriate questions. I don't miss a lot of things that came along with it, but I was very proud of myself making the videos that I did and sharing the stories that I did. And I mean, I'm really proud of my podcast and the fact that I'm able to, you know, just sit here and talk about things. I stayed silent for so long and it's so good to share. And I mean, it comes with, you know, I can't think of the word right now. I still feel like crap, but it does definitely have some backlash to it. And it's not always positive, but for the most part, you know, I'm pretty happy about it. Um, It's therapeutic for sure. And it just, it's nothing but positive in a lot of ways and the negatives you know, they just don't outweigh the good stuff. But I feel like this is better for me in getting closure to what happened. Sitting down face to face and telling my traffickers, my parents, James and them, like, this is what you did and I need you to admit to it. They're never going to. And I'm not going to get anything out of it. They'll enjoy if I flinch, if I shake a little bit or my voice is a little shaky because I'm nervous. They'll, they'll enjoy that. But this is good. This is closure. And the more episodes that I make and the more details that I share and the more people that contact me with their own stories, the more it just makes everything worth it. And I just... I think that's my closure. And when I get my book finished, that's going to be even more. Telling them to their faces, that's not what I need. But telling the world what they did, that is what I need. And it's not because I want the attention or, you know, things like that. It's because my story 
can save someone else and someone will hear it and resonate with it and I mean I've had people that didn't even know that they were being sex trafficked or had been reach out to me and tell me that it was because of my story that they figured that out. I don't know if the woman who wrote the blog has ever heard, you know, my podcast or seen any of my videos or anything or know that she's the one that gave me a lot of answers. And I am so grateful for that. I hate that she went through the things that she went through. I'm glad she made it out to tell the story because it helped me on my path. And I just want to stay focused. And I want to make sure that I just drown out the noise. Just sit here with my headphones on, my microphone in front of me, my family sleeping, and it's so eerily quiet in here, but the noise is gone. And I'm able to, you know, just share what I want to when I want to on my terms. And that's how it has to be. So I don't want to make too long of an episode because to be honest, I really don't feel good still. Um, I've been sick for almost a week now. It's kicking my ass, I'll tell you that. I just am so glad that I have the opportunity and the platform to be able to share what I do and to be able to tell my story, to be able to share some awareness and different things like that. It really means the world to me that people listen and more importantly that they take things from it and that they're more aware they're looking in certain places because that's how I'll get closure by saving other people and you know I may never get to sit down in a courtroom and tell my story and I may never get to sit and tell my parents hey you did this to me and it was wrong but I don't care about those things anymore I stopped caring about him a long time ago because this is what I want to do. This is how I want to recover and this is how I'm choosing to heal. And you know, if they hear my episodes, then they hear my episodes. If they don't, they don't. It doesn't matter. I don't want to give them any more attention than that. I just... I don't want to do anything that makes them feel that sick pleasure that made them have that creepy smile and that really creepy laugh. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and they're going to do what they're going to do, but they're not going to get any energy out of me. That's for damn sure. But thanks for the continued love and support and, um, Hopefully I get to feeling better soon so I can start doing some more episodes. I've got a list of people that want to be guests, so I'm going to hopefully get some of those recorded soon. I uh, 
did not expect to get sick (laughs) or I would have had some episodes, you know, recorded. So there wasn't a big gap, but I have been enjoying reading and watching TV and just spending time with the family. It's not very often that we all get to spend a week locked in an apartment together. (laughs) It's been crowded to say the least, but we all seem to be on the mend and, um, hopefully this doesn't last too much longer, but thank you for tuning in and, uh, I will hopefully talk with y'all soon and get some more episodes recorded because, man, I really miss making them. And I know this one kind of wasn't my best work, but, man, I'm telling you, I just don't feel good at all. So I will talk with y'all soon, and thank you for the continued love and support. You really don't know how much it means. And... I can imagine for other survivors, it means just as much. Sometimes all we need is someone to hear us and to believe us. And I only found that recently. And I never knew how much I needed it until I had it. So again, thank you so much. And I will talk with y'all soon.